0: Welcome to Ground Up Sermons, where we wrestle with what it means to be an authentic follower of God. Given that it is a cold, rainy, nasty day, that none of you are planning to go home, put on your comfy clothes, pour yourself a warm beverage, and curl up with the comforting book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) Am I pretty safe in that assumption? All right the of I had it all right up until we got in close, but no cigar there. I would imagine if I, if I polled uh, the congregation, uh, polled people on social media, uh, what their favorite books of the Bible were, uh, I might get uh, any of the four Gospels, I might get the Psalms, um, I, I might get, get some other uh, books thrown in there as well. Um, but Deuteronomy is probably not going to come up in, in, in the list of favorite books for people. And yet, that's what I'm going to preach this sermon on today. Our reading from Deuteronomy. Now, confession time, when I was a kid, uh, uh, studying about the Bible and Lutheranism and all that stuff and confirmation, I thought the book of Deuteronomy sounded absolutely hysterical. It was remarkably close to doo doo. (laughs) Just giving you the mind of a 14 year old boy and how quickly we can get to anything in that ballpark. We don't spend a lot of time in Deuteronomy, but it is important. It's Moses' farewell sermon. To the people that he has led for 40 years through the wilderness, right before they are going to enter into the promised land. Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor. sometimes your sermons can yammer on for a little longer than we want. Moses went on for 34 chapters, just putting that out there, so putting things in context in the event that you uh, think things are going a little bit long. This is Moses' farewell address to the people he's led for 40 years throughout the wilderness. And anytime a leader's getting to step down or, or step aside, there's always a little bit of anxiety because there's this power vacuum of who's going to, to step into the place next. And so, Moses gives them a promise that the Lord is going to raise up for you a prophet like me. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? So, if you remember from the Book of Exodus, and uh, anybody ever watched the uh, the Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston. Yeah. Yeah. Moses would constantly ascend uh, to uh, the holy mountain and talk with God and then descend and and bring whatever um, he talked with God with back to the people. This is how we get the Ten Commandments and other things like this. And one of the really fascinating things that that begins to happen is this idea or is this reality that when Moses would return back down uh, the mountain, uh, from talking with God, Moses would be glowing. His whole uh, face would be uh, glowing from being in the presence of God, and a lot of times he'd have to put like a, a sheet over his head so that uh, it wouldn't uh, unnerve the people too much. Uh, if you remember, uh, we'll celebrate Transfiguration Sunday uh, very soon, and a similar thing happens uh, with, with Jesus as he's once again on a mountain, this time with Peter, James, and John, and he begins to to kind of glow this dazzling white color. So this idea began to develop among uh, the people that Moses was leading, that Moses saw God face to face. And in fact, their little editorial right at the end of the book of uh, of Deuteronomy that they throw on, uh, Deuteronomy 34, uh, 10, uh, tells us... Um, that, that since the time that Moses left, there has not uh, been a prophet whom the Lord knew face to face. This was the, the thought process that, uh, that God's people had, was that Moses was inherently special and that Moses and God interacted face to face. Now the reality is that's not exactly true. God did not interact face to face with Moses do you know what happens when you get too close to the holiness of God? You die. You get zapped. You, you just, pew, you're just gone. Because God is so holy, and, and you're so not holy that you just can't take uh, that level of holiness, and you just kind of get um, vaporized. In true sci-fi uh, nerdiness, might be the way that uh, that I would put it. Now Moses was special. Moses on the mountain did ask that that he could see God's glory, which is kind of a roundabout holy way of saying, hey, God, can I see your face? And God sort of acquiesced a little bit. God, if you remember the story, God puts Moses uh, in the the crag of a rock and God puts God's hand over it and passes by. And just as as God uh, finishes passing by, God's hand moves back, and, and, and uh, the, the, the Bible text for it is that Moses got to see God's rear guard. That's fancy Bible talk for Moses got to see God's backside. So the people were close, but not quite there on Moses' idea, on, on Moses' um, Moses's unique relationship with God. You see, at this point in time in the Bible, at this point in in time in Scripture, the idea of seeing God face to face seemed impossible. Because if you were to see God's face, you would get vaporized. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named... Jimmy Chen. Jimmy Chen's about my age, and he's the, the son of immigrant parents. And as is the case oftentimes with immigrant parents, they worked really hard to provide for him a life that they didn't have. They saved all their nickels and dimes, they made him work really hard in school to go get a good education, and go get a good job. And he he jokes uh, in the interviews that the only three jobs he thought he was allowed to have was doctor, lawyer, or finance expert. All excellent jobs. And he went to school, he studied hard, he worked really hard, but when he got done with school, he just wasn't ready yet to launch into one of those three careers. Instead, he loved climbing mountains. So he went and told his parents that he wasn't going to go be a doctor or a lawyer or a finance professional, that instead, for the next year of his life, he was going to live out of the back of his car and climb mountains, literally a homeless mountain climber. Now, his parents, he said, were not really thrilled about this. They had spent their life savings preparing him for something different. But he climbed mountains for a year, and one year became two, and two years became three, and you see kind of where this is going. Over time, Jimmy realized that if he took a camera with him while he was climbing mountains, he could get really neat pictures that nobody else could get. And then he began to realize that the harder routes he climbed would give him even more interesting pictures that no one else could get. And the more he did this, the more he got faced with what seemed to be impossible feats. It's impossible to climb this particular mountain. It's not possible to climb this particular wall. It's not possible to do this particular climb in this particular season of the year. He said time and again he got impacted by all of these things that didn't seem possible. And yet he said he would take what was impossible and he would commit himself to it. He would work at it. It would be the only thing he would do for months on end, And eventually, he would do it. What had seemed impossible months ago for him now seemed possible. And as a result, those pictures he would take on those seemingly impossible routes now began to grace the cover of National Geographic. Which, if you're an adventure and wildlife photographer, that is the pinnacle of being. Later on, he got involved in a documentary film process called Free Solo. Uh, just as a pure aside, if anybody likes documentaries or just likes good storytelling, it's on Netflix. It's either Netflix or Amazon, I can't remember. It's called Free Solo. It is absolutely worth it. It's the story of Alex Honnold, who is the first person to uh, free solo climb. That's no ropes, no nothing. Um, uh, El Cap uh, in in, uh, Yellowstone. Jimmy Chin was the director of that documentary. Climbing along with Alex, although he had ropes, filming the whole process... And that documentary that a homeless mountain climber made in 2019 won the 2019 Academy Award for Best Documentary Film. His life is a testament to the impossible becoming possible. Impossible roots became possible because of his hard work the impossibility of a homeless mountain climber whose pictures graced the cover of National Geographic and held an Academy Award statue in his hands. All became possible. It's it's interesting how when we look at the world, we can get so caught up in this idea that there are impossible things, and yet when we take a second look what we begin to notice is that all throughout the history of the world, there are these seemingly impossible things that become very possible because of hard work and effort and dedication. Take, for instance, polio. Polio was a devastating disease. It crippled people. It impacted their lives for years and decades, and it killed people across the globe. It seemed impossible to fix that problem, and yet, scientists and doctors, smart people gifted by God, used the gifts that they were given by God, and now, Do parents toss and turn at night worried about polio with their children? There are a lot of things I toss and turn about at night worried about for my children, but polio is not one of them. Or the sound barrier. Don't you love that? I mean, it literally says the impossibility right there. It was a sound barrier. There was a belief that you simply could not go faster than sound because there was a barrier and it would destroy you if you went through it. And yet Chuck Yeager, who we lost not too long ago, and a team of brilliant engineers figured out that yes, you can go faster than sound. You can break that barrier. What about walking on the moon? It's interesting, when JFK in that speech said that we would go to the moon, do you know what? They didn't know they could go to the moon at that point. It was a politician doing what politicians do, over-promising on something that sounds fantastic. And yet that dream of doing that impossible became real. Because of smart people working hard the impossible becoming possible or yet one more example the four-minute mile breaking the four-minute mile that that in sports seemed to be the most elusive thing possible people didn't think that you could break a four-minute mile and yet in the 1930s a medical student from Oxford broke the four-minute mile And now, if you run a four-minute mile as a competitive miler, you're slow. Time and again, we have all of these things that seem impossible. But what we've come to, to learn from experience, whether it's going to the moon, breaking the sound barrier, eradicating polio breaking a four minute mile, or a homeless mountain climber making an Academy Award winning documentary. Impossibility is only a temporary reality. Impossibility isn't really real, it's just a challenge to figure out how to make it possible. Now that's true in life, That's even more so true in Christ. You see, at this point in the Bible narrative in Deuteronomy, it seemed impossible to see God face to face. And yet, and yet, we learn as we keep reading the story that soon, a young, unwed mother in Nazareth would give birth to God and, as mothers do, would look at God's face, run her finger along God's cheek, and kiss God's forehead. What seemed impossible in the Hebrew Bible was now possible in the Gospels, was now possible in Jesus Christ. And so it's interesting, isn't it? Have you noticed that somewhere along the way, we adults, and I'm speaking to we adults here, begin to believe that there's lots of things that are impossible? Kids don't really do that, do they? Kids are pretty convinced that everything is possible. Everything is doable. Everything is within their grasp. We adults think we know better, and we tell them that's foolish. But in reality, who's the one being foolish? That would be us. Think about it from a kid's perspective and I I live this right now because I've got a one-year-old, I would imagine right now for Alistair, he thinks that talking what I and his mother and brother and sister do might seem impossible. Yet what does he try to do every single day? He tries to talk. That baby babbling. Babbling. It may seem impossible, but you know what he's going to do? Doggone it, he's going to talk. He looks at us every day doing this incredible thing, walking around on two feet. And perhaps it seems incredible to him. But he's already figured out how to crawl around the room, sometimes faster than daddy can walk. And you know what he's going to do? By George, he's going to walk. And he's going to run. So from a child's perspective, their whole life is taking on impossible things and making them possible. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to take a page out of children's books and out of our own history and recognize that whatever it is that we think is impossible is actually possible if we apply ourselves and we're accompanied by Jesus and the community of faith. So do something for me right now in this moment, sitting here in these pews, sitting at home, watching along. Sit up nice and straight, feet on the ground, take a couple of deep breaths in and out, close those eyes, and imagine what seems impossible to you right now. Do you have it? Do you see it in your mind, what at the moment seems impossible? That is possible. We may not know exactly the journey from here to there. We may not know exactly the steps that need to be taken, the sacrifices made, the challenges overcome. But that impossibility is possible. It's possible when you apply yourself, when you're accompanied by Jesus, and when you take this journey together with your family of faith. So as we wrap up, your challenge for this week is to think of four things. The first thing I want you to think of is what has seemed impossible to you in your life that now seems possible? What was that impossibility that existed in your life in the past that now is a possibility? Then, I want you to ask yourself, how did you overcome that impossibility? So that first series, what has seemed impossible that now is no longer impossible and how did you overcome it? And then I want to ask you what seems impossible to you now in your life of faith? And then how might God and the community of faith help you in overcoming that impossibility? My friends, My sisters and brothers, in our sinfulness, we are tempted to believe that there are impossible things, and yet Jesus teaches us that there is so much, so very much, that is possible and exists for us in Christ. Amen.